live from the Annex Wealth Management Studios at Historic Radio City. This is the Jeff Wagner Show. Here is the deal. Let me kind of go through what we know, and then I want to discuss this with you. It's just mind-boggling, and it might not technically be illegal, but if it's not, it should be. The reality is no car insurance, no problem. Nuts to that. Let's get them off the road. Impound the cars. Make the streets safer. The AccuNet Mortgage Talk and Text Line is open now. Give us a call at 855-616-1620. What are those people talking about? You got a deal. A deal is a deal. Stop whining about it. Live up to its obligations. And now, WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. Good afternoon, Wisconsin. Welcome to the show. So very glad to have you with us. Sun is shining, a little bit chilly. Looks like it's going to be chilly for the balance of the week, but hope you had a great weekend for my wife and I. Had an opportunity to get out and about with appropriate social distancing. And um, actually on Friday and Saturday afternoon, had a chance to play nine holes of golf both days. And just it was just it was fun to get outside, and I think that uh, lots of us feel that way. All right, another one bites the dust. Uh, one of the one of the last major events scheduled for Milwaukee this summer has now been canceled. Every year, typically in July, Northwestern Mutual brings twelve thousand of their agents, employees from all across the country, actually all across the world. They bring them to Milwaukee for a week long convention, and typically. Now, this year is different because we were scheduled to have the Democratic National Convention. But typically, that is the, the largest um, convention that we draw um, on, a, on a yearly basis. So that was scheduled. Originally, these are to be held in July normally. This year, they had pushed it back to August because the Democratic National Convention was supposed to be in July. Then they were adjusting the dates. Uh, NML, Northwestern Mutual. I keep saying Northwestern Mutual Life. NML, Northwestern Mutual. That's what they call themselves now, announcing that they are canceling the in-person travel to Milwaukee. Um, they're going to have a, a virtual convention. Again, they're going to do it online, um, but no surprise. I mean, no surprise. They say they are committed to bringing all the agents back in July of 2021. So they say this is just a, a one-off caused by uncertainties with coronavirus. And you can certainly understand the, the, the concerns that they have. But again, as we start moving now we're into may as we start you know moving out it's very apparent that uh, this is going to be a summer unlike any others one thing canceled after another the only with um with the eaa air venture canceling late last week and that was scheduled for late july the the only remaining really big event and i understand there might be some small festivals and all but the only remaining real big event that's still kind of hanging fire out there is state state fair scheduled for late july and early august um, whether they're able to do that or not, who knows? And I know because there's so much money involved and you bring all these vendors down, and it's so important. I understand they're, they're trying to probably hang on as long as they can. But keep in mind right now, the State Fair Expo Center has been converted into an overflow hospital facility for you know COVID-19. Now, thankfully, we haven't needed it, and it doesn't appear like we're, we're going to need it. But at the same time, you'd rather have something and not need it than need it and not have it. But the longer this goes, on, the more it becomes a question mark about how can State Fair continue as scheduled. And if that's canceled, it's going to be extremely unfortunate. It's one of my 
favorite events of the year, and, and I love having the opportunity to go out there and broadcast from the fair. The truth of the matter is, though, as, as more time goes on, I just I don't see how it's going to happen. And at some point in time, probably relatively soon, they're going to have to make that decision. But Northwestern Mutual being the latest major event to cancel, again, no surprise that they did it. The breaking news story for the day is that Tony Evers is going to, this afternoon, be meeting with Republican and Democratic leadership from the House, from the Assembly and, and the Senate to discuss the next steps. So what, what does this mean? Well, let me give you my take on this. Tomorrow, the state Supreme Court is going to hear arguments on the authority of the governor to just unilaterally impose these stay-at-home or safer-at-home or shelter-in-place orders and how long he has the authority to do it. Supreme Court is going to decide. Now, the legal question, if we kind of cut through this, the, the law is very, very clear. It says the governor can declare an emergency, that state of emergency lasts for 30 days, and the governor can extend it for another 30 days. That takes us to approximately May 12th. The governor has taken the position that despite what that law says, he has, through his health secretary, an unlimited power to declare an emergency and let the emergency run as long as he believes that it's possible. So, you know, regardless of the fact that the law says you've got 60 days, he believes the health secretary has the authority to just put it in for an unlimited period of time, meaning theoretically if the governor's interpretation is correct, he could continue safer at home for a year, for two years, that no limitations at all. I personally believe that's wrong. I, and it's, you know, regardless of whether you think safer at home should be lifted in next week, regardless of where you feel on that, we, we elect governors, we elect presidents, we don't elect kings. And the law says what the law says. So what do I think is going on here? Well, if I were the lawyers for the governor, I would be going to him and I'd be sitting him down and I'd say, look, Tony, here's the deal. We're arguing this case tomorrow. You might win but chances are you're going to lose. And I think most legal experts think he's going to lose. They're going to say, you just don't have an unlimited power through your health secretary to do something different than the law allows you to do. The law gives you 60 days. That 60 days expires in May 12th or whatever that date is. And and after that, if you want to continue to have restrictions, you don't have the authority to do it unilaterally. It has to be through an administrative rulemaking process or something like that. So if I'm the lawyers for the governor, I'm saying, hey, maybe you're going to win. But quite candidly, you're probably going to lose. So you better have your, your plan B in place. Because if you do lose, you want to have some sort of maybe framework of an agreement that's going to start reopening the state. Now, the the burden then is, is on the, the leadership in the Assembly and the, the Senate to say, okay, what, what is the, the alternative? And, I mean, my recommendation would be, I, I think you start putting forward a plan, something along the lines of what Wisconsin Manufacturers and Commerce rolled out, saying let's start to, quote-unquote, reopen the state on a regional sort of basis. If you look at the latest coronavirus numbers, it's very apparent that that's what makes sense to do. But in any event, I think this meeting that's going to be going on is really, hopefully, it is the governor's recognition that there's a decent chance that, again, he's going to lose in front of the state Supreme Court. And so then there, there's got to be an alternative plan in place. And like I say, the, the burden now is on the Republicans in the Assembly and the Senate to say, OK, this if, in fact, we win tomorrow, 
this is what you know we want to have done. This is what our rulemaking authority is going to look like. And, and Governor Evers, maybe you need to get on board with that. And my guess is that means that there's going to be a, a reopening of the state, at least in certain regions, perhaps sooner than the governor would anticipate. But that's that's just the way it works. At least that is my interpretation of what goes on. On every Monday's program, I give you an update of where coronavirus is in the state. I do this on Saturday afternoon. If you follow me on Twitter, it's at Jeff Wagner 620. I, I, I compare Saturday to Saturday. So I look at a week's numbers. The numbers come out like at 2 o'clock every day. So I just I started doing it Saturday to Saturday. And I, I think if you do that... And you analyze where coronavirus is, you get a much different perception than you do if you just look at the headlines that appear in the newspaper or the headlines on TV. Because when we turn on the TV, we we see, oh, we have X number of new cases. And that gets put out there with very, very little context. Oh, this was another, this was a, we had 1900 last week from Saturday to Saturday, it was 1973 new cases in the state. 1973 new cases, and look, this line, it's not going down, et cetera, et cetera. And, and I guess that's true if you just look at that. But once you do a deeper dive into the numbers, you get a much different perspective of what is going on in the state. All right, so for last week, Saturday to Saturday, here's the deal. Of the new coronavirus cases in the state of Wisconsin, almost 60% of those new cases, almost 6 out of 10, were in either Milwaukee or in Brown counties. And my guess is the vast majority of those were attributable to the outbreaks at meat processing facilities or inmates in the jails that tested positive in Milwaukee. But almost 60% of the new cases were limited to two counties, Milwaukee and Brown County. If you add in Racine and Kenosha County, so Racine, Kenosha, Milwaukee, and Brown County, you get 77% of all the new coronavirus cases, 77%, 1,525. And again, the the cases in Kenosha and Racine appear also to be traced to meatpacking facilities. Um, In the rest of the state, there were only, and I I say only, I mean, look, you you don't want to have any numbers, but Wisconsin's a big state. There's 5.8 million people in the state of Wisconsin. The entire rest of Wisconsin, outside of Brown, Milwaukee, Kenosha, and um, Racine counties, 450 total cases. Uh, 23% of the cases, new cases, from the entire rest of the state. The overwhelming majority, I mean, literally more than three-quarters of the new cases, came from three counties. You know, three counties. And actually, some of the other larger counties really, I mean, Dane County, no no explosion of, of new cases at all. If you look at where the problem is right now, the problem is in Brown County with the meatpacking plant, Milwaukee County, Racine County, and Kenosha County. So it's those four counties in general that are driving the, the numbers. And again, I think that moving forward, if we're trying to figure out how we reopen the state, the debate has to be, is it reasonable to keep the entire state shut down because you have a problem in Brown County and you have 
you know, an area of southeastern Wisconsin where the, the numbers are, are going up, again, presumably because you have infections at these meat plants. That's what I think is going to have to be hammered out. There's some people I know who say that, well, you know, you, you can't reopen stuff in Chippewa Falls because all sorts of people from Kenosha are going to flood out there. I, I don't know that there's a lot of people beyond, you know, some of the, the folks who, you know, want to be extremely safe, and I understand what their motivations are. I, I don't know that there's a lot of people who think that that's a reasonable solution, that you hold Eau Claire and La Crosse and even Madison, for example, hostage and their businesses hostage, not allowing them to reopen because, hey, you know, we, we've got a problem at a meat plant in Brown County. But that's something that's going to have to be hashed out. But once again, the number's pretty consistent. Coronavirus to the extent that there are there are explosions, it appears to be a regional sort of, of issue. And if you take out Brown County, Milwaukee County, Racine, and Kenosha County, you're, you're looking at, yes, there are 450 new cases, but it's not the exponential increase that I think people have been concerned about. All right, those are the numbers for the week. When we come back, should they have to give you your dough back? Stick around. This is Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. You're listening to Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. 855-616-1620. That's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. All right. Maybe over the course of the last couple months, you have had travel scheduled from your home. Maybe it's vacation travel. Maybe it's travel to visit friends or relatives, whatever. Maybe you've already had to change your plans because we're told not to travel. Or, you know, if you had vacations planned, for example, if you were scheduled to go to Disney World this week, well, well, good luck because Disney World is Disney World is closed. I think moving out throughout the summer, as more and more events get canceled, the need to, to travel or people maybe who've booked flights to go and be at this festival or that event or whatever, okay, so the event gets canceled. Well, there, there's not really a reason for you to go anymore, and, and that's happening more and more. The way the law works is that airlines have to give you your money back if they cancel the flight or alternatively if they make substantial changes, significant changes in the flight time. And, you know, the definition of significant is kind of a technical thing. But, but otherwise, they don't have to give you your money back. And what most airlines do is they'll give you a credit for, you know, a flight at some point in time in the future. But unless they have canceled the flight or they've just so dramatically changed the times, it doesn't make sense. They don't have to give you your money back. You can get a a credit. This is becoming an issue because what's been happening, of course, is the the airlines haven't been canceling some flights, but you you don't go anyways. I mean, like I say, let's say you're going to Disney World this week. Disney World is closed. You don't have any reason to go there. But as long as the airline that you have booked your flight on is flying, say, from Milwaukee to Orlando, they have no obligation to give you your money back. They're, you know, If you cancel, you're entitled to a credit, but maybe you don't want a credit. Maybe you want the cash back. Now, the flip side of this is the airline industry has been hit really, 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 did I say really, hard as a result of the, the pandemic. I mean, the you know flights, are, our capacity is down, what, 90%. Airlines are taking planes out to the desert just to store them. And nobody knows what the future of the airline industry is going to look like because even once things get a little bit better, 
think people might still be reluctant to travel. So the airline industry has been hemorrhaging cash. So one of the things the airline industry is reluctant to do is to send you your money back. So let's say four months ago, you booked that flight to Orlando. In the example that I'm giving you, you you booked it, you paid for it, but now you can't use it. But the flight is going to go ahead anyways, whether you're on it or not. So, you know, you cancel right now. All you're going to do is you're going to get your you're going to get a voucher for a future future trip, which may be fine. But alternatively, hey, maybe you need that money back. Okay, our number is eight five five six one six one six twenty. That is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. All right, should the rules be amended to require, given the state of emergency we're in, to require the airlines to give you a refund as opposed to a credit if you decide that for whatever reasons You've paid for a ticket over the course of the last several months, and now you don't want to use it, or you can't use it, or it's not practical to use it. 855-616-1620, that's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Should they have to give you a refund? Now, I, I, I bring this up because there's a couple of huge stories about this. In and, and candidly, I'm going to be dealing with this soon. As I've told everybody, I was scheduled to go to Disney World in mid-June for with with my brother and my niece and my nephew and, and we've just decided i don't know what disney world is going to look like but for a variety of reasons you know at, at least my wife and i've decided we're not going i don't know if my brother's still going or not but you know we, we booked the flight and so I, i've really got a couple alternatives i can try to if i want the money back i can wait till the last minute and, and hope to see if the airline cancels it and then like cancel our tickets at the last minute or alternatively, I can just cancel now because I know we're not going and, and just take the credit. For me, it's not that big a deal one way or the other because I know I'm going to be flying sometime in the next six months to, to a year, however it's good for. And, and so I'm going to be able to use the credit, and I don't necessarily need the money back right now for me. But I know that's a different situation than some people find themselves in. Should the airlines have to give you a refund? 855-616-1620. That's the Acunet Mortgage you know, talk and text line. I guess I look at this and I understand what the airline's policies are and I understand what it says when you book the ticket in, in normal times. But but these aren't normal times. And again, I'm thinking about all these people out there that, again, you buy the plane ticket to go to Orlando to go to Disney or, or wherever, and now that purpose of your trip, it, it's just there, there's no reason to go anymore because if you get down there, Disney isn't open. I guess under circumstances like this, I think we should be looking at saying, all right, given the state of emergency we're in, we should be looking at allowing people to get their money back. Now, for me, I I don't care one way or the other. I'm going to take the, because I'm going to use it, the voucher at some point in time. But for people who want their money back, should you be able to get a refund? Bruce, who is calling us from San Diego. Hi, Bruce. Hi. I just wanted to let you know that um, I've been stranded here for a couple of months and whatnot, and uh, listen to you every day. But on this particular Thanks. subject, I understand that there was a, a police officer um, from Milwaukee who filed a lawsuit against United Airlines for this very matter. And I've been over my life flying about two and a half to three million miles. And the airlines have always kept your money. And I always think that right. they should give you back for if you and I went to Macy's and bought a shirt today or last month or yeah. what have you. We'd be able to take it back, and they'd be able to give our, they give us our money back. The airlines right. just don't do that, and I don't think they have a right to keep your money. Right. Well, bro, so are you, are you are you quarantined in San Diego? Is that the deal? 
I, I am, yeah. Uh, yeah. I've yeah. been here since March the 9th. I happen to own a house in Menominee Falls, so I got a nice okay. place to stay. <laughs> got it. Good enough. Well, Bruce, thanks for the call. Yeah, I see. I And, and I, I understand. Now, but again, I mean, the way the rules work is that the airlines specifically do have, under the law, the right to keep your money and offer you a credit, um, absent... Unless you buy a special ticket, there are some tickets you can buy that are fully refundable, but those tend to be more expensive. Absence, uh, again, them canceling, you're entitled, I mean, they're entitled to simply give you a credit, which I guess I understand under normal circumstances. In a case like this, though, given the fact that I, I think that people should be able to get their money back under these particular circumstances because again it's not necessarily that you don't want to fly it's that just collectively because of well i mean government action and the circumstances you the purpose of your trip has just been completely and totally defeated so i mean i think if nothing else especially since the airlines are are standing in line to start collecting government funds and some of these loans to help them get over this i think you know maybe a condition of getting some of that money should be okay adjust your refund policies during the during this uh... problem let's take a quick break back with more in just a minute this is jeff wagner jeff wagner on wtmj It is amazing how things happen. You may remember, if you've spent a lot of time around Wisconsin, back in 2002, October of 2002, there was the the most significant, as far as loss of life, um, crash in in Wisconsin history. It happened on on the freeway. It happened on I-43, just outside of Cedar Grove, kind of in Sheboygan County, and I... It's, it's really weird how this whole thing occurred, why I remember it so vividly, because my, my late wife was an attorney, and she actually had a client, and she was, an, she was a, a labor attorney. And, and so she had a client who, who ran, had, had a business that was kind of in the Fond du Lac area, as I recall, and she was going up to interview witnesses for hearing, and, and she ended up interviewing a lot of second shift workers so she doesn't get home till i don't know like 3 3 30 in in the morning because she's interviewing second shift workers so she drives home in the middle of the night after that wake up that next morning and i'm seeing all the news and if you if you were around here at the time 18 years ago you will remember that what happened is they had this dense fog that just suddenly swept over like the roadways, and, and it was like it just it came upon it came up very very suddenly. And what happened is you had all these cars that were on the freeway, and they completely it was no visibility at all. And there was, I believe, somewhere in the neighborhood of like a, a fifty car pileup. Eleven people lost their lives as a result of this. There were thirty nine other people that were injured because it was one of these deals where just suddenly nobody nobody could see. And, and you had cars that then started slowing down and other cars that didn't, and then one hits another, and then people spin out, and it was one after another. It was a very, very dramatic thing. And I remember I, I'm, I'm seeing the news or whatever in the morning about this massive thing, and literally my, my late wife had gone through there maybe an hour and a half or so before this whole thing happened. And, you know, it was fine at the time because the fog just kind of came up suddenly. But it underscores, uh, again, how, how terrible this can be when you completely and totally lose visibility. I'm thinking of that because you had the same thing, thankfully, 
with a lot less ramifications occurred um, on Sunday. Sunday afternoon up in, in Plainfield, which is in central Wisconsin. Plainfield is, and I always hate to say this, but it's true, it's probably best known. It's it's the home of Ed Gein, who back in the 50s was the... <laughs> Uh, he was the, the serial killer who was the inspiration for Alfred Hitchcock's psycho. But anyhow, right, in, uh, the roads up in um, Interstate 39 near Plainfield, what happened is it wasn't fog and it wasn't snow because sometimes you get this whiteout. But, you know, we, it was very, very windy yesterday. And apparently what happened is you had this monster dust storm that occurred and visibility suddenly went to just like nothing and as a result they they estimate that there were gosh around 12:30 in the afternoon they like almost 40 cars were involved in this pile up because nobody was able to see and it, they, they say it was like a whiteout except it was brown because it was just all this dust that got picked up and you know blown at this high rate of speed and nobody could see and again um what what happened is that uh, let's see, 27 vehicles in the southbound lane crashed. 10 vehicles crashed in the northbound lane. A number of people were injured, but thankfully there was only one that had to be transported to the hospital. And authorities are saying it's a miracle in and of itself. They say we've never seen a dust storm like that, but it, it's just it, it's like reminiscent of the fog back in 2002. Reminiscent if you've ever been stuck in a whiteout. The only time I ever in my life put a car in a ditch was, was in th- this whiteout, and it really wasn't snowing that much but you had this 40 mile an hour wind and all of a sudden it's you can't see anything and I was following this truck and the truck drives into a ditch and I drive my car into the ditch right behind the truck but really really like scary conditions I thought we'd do one segment on this 855-616-1620 that is the Acunet Mortgage talk and text line now there's lots of scary driving conditions that are out there but to me Suddenly losing all your visibility, whether you're caught in the fog or whether you're caught in, uh, again, a, a whiteout because of blowing snow or whether you're, you're caught in a dust storm, which is extremely unusual for Wisconsin. But it happened yesterday, though. I, I don't know that there's any sort of scarier conditions, maybe glare ice, but the inability to see. I think it's one of the scariest sort of things that you can have to drive in or drive through. And it's almost a miracle that you had all these cars that were piled up yesterday afternoon, but, but thankfully nobody seriously injured. 855-616-1620. That's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. That lack of visibility. Have you found yourself in a similar situation? And do you, do you remember it? I mean, I, like I tell you that, the time I put the car in a ditch, I was my freshman year in college. It was a long, long time ago. Um, I'm sorry, my junior year in college. Long, long time ago. But I remember that feeling of panic, of not being able to see. I remember it like it was yesterday. And my guess is a lot of people who were, again, dealing with that dust storm yesterday experienced the same thing. Dave in Nakusa. Dave, you're on WTMJ. Thanks for taking my call. Hi, Dave. Um, I've I've uh, I've been experienced uh, in those a few times because uh, it's it's all the farming uh, fields that they have over there. They've got kind of a dry sand type uh, situation there, and um, there's been times you know I've been around here a long time where it just blocks the road. You can't see anything, and it, it's uh, it, it's happened before. It's not the you know it's not the first time. It's not going to be the last time if they don't uh, do a little bit of regulation on how they till the fields. 
Yeah, um, yeah, and again, I don't know. I, you know, the, the authorities are saying that they've never seen anything like this before. But I, I guess, I mean, I don't know that was. I mean, I don't know what was so unusual yesterday, other than the fact that you had high winds. But you have high winds all the time. You know, it's. But apparently, yesterday was something unique. No, thanks for the call. I appreciate it. I, uh, again, it's it's a miracle that you did not have a, a significant loss of life. Because again, that, I, I mean, that 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 thing, you know, outside of Cedar Grove in two thousand two. I remember it like it was yesterday. Now, again, maybe partly that's because somebody close to me had just gone through it a couple hours beforehand. But, you know, the people that were driving it, it just described it as being this wall of fog. Yesterday, it's just it's it's a wall of, of dust and dirt, and you can't see at all. Sandy in Stevens Point. Sandy, you're on WTMJ. Hey, Jeff. How you doing? Really well, thank you. What do you think? Well, I I used to drive that stretch of road in Plainfield every single day, and I've been in that dust storm plenty of times. I know exactly mm-hmm. um, where it happened, and there's a stretch of, well, that whole area, it's, it's pretty flatland along the way for a lot, many miles, but um, that farm field blows the dust, the that dirt, like you cannot believe, and it's only like about, maybe a quarter or a half a mile stretch but it feels like it's 10 miles because it you just oh, yeah. you're just all of a sudden you can't see and i've i've experienced it plenty of times and i was so grateful that nobody was killed yesterday and it's a miracle it really is when i saw it on the news and all those cars but um i it, it you de- definitely go into panic mode yeah it's and, and of course there's and it, what happens is a lot of times it, it just comes up so suddenly. You know, you're, you're driving along and it's fine and it's sunshiny and it's clear, yeah. and then all of a sudden, boom! Yeah. Out of all of a sudden, you've completely and totally lost visibility, and and then all it takes is one car to slow down and another car behind him doesn't slow down, and then then you're just kind of off to the races in a really bad way. Hmm. Thanks for the call. I appreciate yeah. it, Sandy. Eight five five six one six one six twenty. Christina in Hartford. Christina, you're on WTMJ. Good afternoon. Hi. I was traveling down to uh, Texas by car several years ago, 20 years ago, and, um, you know, there are a lot of big storms um, through the Midwest and down in Texas, and there were thunderstorms overnight. We were driving in the dirt, and um, the next morning, we heard that there were some tornadoes here and there, but you're traveling long distances. It's really hard to keep track of the weather. Um, The next morning, when we got up and we were driving, there had been tornadoes in the area, and we literally drove past three cars that were mangled and up in trees from driving on the highway. <laughs> wow. <laughs> well, I will never I, I guess I, I, when there are tornadoes again. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I, I will amend my statement because I, I, I was talking about, I mean, this, I, I've never had to drive through a tornado, but yeah, that's I, the scariest thing I've ever been through. Again, has been the, the lack of visibility with the, 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 the whiteout and stuff like that. A tornado, right? That's got to be one where you're you're you are yes. counting your lucky stars. Yeah, you wow. don't know where it uh, is, and you don't even know if there is one. So it was very very terrifying. Yeah. Uh, thanks for the call, Christina. Marcus on the east side. Marcus, you're on WTMJ. Good afternoon. Good afternoon. How are you? I am well, thank you. What's the scariest you've ever had to drive through? Uh, this was last week. This is a current story. This happened between uh, Barker Road and Brookfield. Um, at midnight, the fog, going to work, the, the, there was no fog. But that week, last week, the fog rolled in when I got off from work. I could not see that stretch from there to the car dealership trying to get back to Capitol Drive. And you can, okay, you, wow. there is no, the, the ditch was, 
I know it's on the side to the right, and even if I pulled off to the side, I was going to go right into the Levine because you know what I'm talking about. Right. You've been on that stretch yeah. road there. Yeah, and I, I was on that stretch like, road I, yesterday, yep. Yeah, I could not see nothing, and my heart started beating. I started pressing. Well, there's nothing. I, You know, I went a little yeah. slower, but the only thing that kept me going was, you know, at the end where the car dealership is, where the lights were? That's the only thing yep. I just kept in my head. Please let me see the red lights flashing, and I did, but... <laughs> It came up so it was so I couldn't see nothing, and I just know to the right of me, there's yeah, no further. There's nowhere to go to get off the wall. There, there's nowhere no, to thanks. go. You can't go to the left. I, you know, I'm coming well, traffic. Right, no, Marcus. I'm glad it. I'm glad it worked out. Yeah, that's the scary thing because you don't know what to do. And I exactly when I was in the whiteout situation, it, there there wasn't really a shoulder that you could pull off on, and right. and I wouldn't that's have done it anyway. No, yeah, thanks for calling. I wouldn't have done it anyways because you pull off to the side of the road, and and then you know somebody hits you from behind. You don't want to do that. You want to think you're going to have to keep moving. Very very sort of scary situation. And again, thankfully, what happened yesterday outside of Plainfield did not didn't have the ramifications of what happened back in 2002 outside of Cedar Grove. But it does show the risks that, that we all take. Kind of scary that's out there. Now, a number of people are texting me, and, and I mean, you know, it's really potato-potato. Mark says he thinks black ice is the scariest. He says, I was on that straight, same stretch of uh, 39 when all of a sudden the two cars in front of me completely lost control. One flipped several times. I hit the brakes. There was no stopping. I felt like I was in the movie Final Destination. I was the only car out of 10 or 11 that did not crash. Yeah, there, there's no question. I mean, you know, the, the glare ice, the black ice, the stuff that you can't see that suddenly comes up, that is always a very scary proposition as well. Um, not being able to control the car. To me, though, I, I still think it's that lack of visibility that, that is, uh, it, it's, it's a horse apiece, but the lack of visibility, always very scary, nothing you can do about it. I don't know if there's any way you prepare for it, but uh, thankfully what happened yesterday did not result in significant injuries or a loss of life. Back with more in just a minute. This is Jeff Wagner. Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. There are heroes among us who run towards danger rather than away from it. We call them first responders. WTMJ is partnering with Waterstone Bank, General Communications, and the Packing House to honor police officers, firefighters, health care providers, and countless others who work every day to protect our families and loved ones. If you know of a first responder who deserves recognition for their duties, go to WTMJ.com. It's Steve Scafidi's Salute to Service on WTMJ. All right. My question is, where does this priest go to get his reputation back? It's a story that got a lot of attention when it was first charged criminally. It's one where I think the district attorney's office in Waukesha has explaining to do. And, well, there's no good answers. Here here is the deal. The 62-year-old priest, his name is Charles Hannell, Reverend Hannell. And he um, was the priest at Queen of Apostles Church in Pewaukee. Um, the allegations were that in December of 2017, he had assaulted a teenage girl, I think she was 13 or 14 at the time, in the confessional. That, that's what the argument was. Now, again, we, we all have known the stories about allegations about priests and things like that, and I, I think fairly or unfairly, the assumption that a lot of us have over the years is, okay, well, if somebody's accused, they have to be guilty of this, all right? So in any event, that the priest was suspended. He, he, through his attorneys, 
have maintained throughout this entire thing that this did not happen. It just flat did not happen. And in this particular case, there the, the man's been a member of the clergy for, I, I believe, 37 years. There are no other allegations of, of misconduct. You know, and, and one of the things you, you see a lot of times in, like the Bill Cosby case, all right, you get the allegation, it's not just a one-off. It is a, a, a pattern. There's a lot of people that come forward and say, yeah, over the years, that this is what happened, that's what happened. There are, at least to my knowledge, no other allegations that this particular priest behaved in this fashion. So the, the argument would be at the age of 60, whatever, you, 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 you grab this, this teenage girl in this confessional. All right. So he had always maintained his innocence. And what happened is there was a, a trial. The matter went to trial, I believe, last month. And what happened is uh, after a week-long trial, the, there was a mistrial that was ordered because apparently, um, I guess unbeknownst to the DA's office, the mother of the, the girl who was making the, the complaints she had been in and out of this country. She had come into this country and been deported on multiple occasions. She'd been in the country illegally on various occasions. The way they describe it is she has a history of illegal entry and re-entry into the United States. So what this means, let me walk through this. What it means is that all usual paths of citizenship for her were barred. So you know, once you've come into the country illegally, and, and had been deported, and you come back, okay, you're, you're not going to be able to become a citizen. What happened is there is an exception to that, and the exception is if you are the parent of a child who is the victim of sexual assault, then you know your prior history of being deported and coming in illegal, then it doesn't matter. You get to stay if you are the parent of, uh, of a child who is the victim of sexual assault. Apparently what, what happened is... The DA's office either didn't investigate this or didn't know about it, but it came out during the trial, which significantly changes, okay, now you've got this motivation here for the the girl to, uh, again, I don't know what happened between her and the priest, but you've got a motivation now for this story to be cooked up because if it turns out to be true and the priest gets convicted, mom gets to stay in the country. So this hadn't been disclosed to the defense. It comes out. They end up declaring a mistrial on this, but the DA's office still had to decide whether they were going to retry the case in light of this new evidence. The breaking news story is that they have now announced that they are going to drop their charges against the Pewaukee priest. They're going to drop the charges. The DA's office, well, they, they kind of give a mealy mouth sort of thing about this. They say, well, you know, we, we just kind of, you know, after much deliberation and reflection, out of consideration of the amount of strain that a future trial will place on all parties, most importantly the victim and her family, we're going to drop this. Well, there's, there's no mention of the priest. And I guess what I find to be frustrating here is I don't know whether this priest is guilty or not. I, I mean, I don't. The only people that are going to know for sure are going to be the teenage girl that was in the confessional and the priest himself. I, I do, I guess, look at something and say, 
All right, you know, what What was it after 37 years of, of no other allegations of this that, you know, what was it in particular that caused this to happen on that day? And I also know that when it turns out that, hey, there is now this huge motivation out there to perhaps craft your story and that apparently this wasn't disclosed to the prosecution and the prosecution didn't tell the defense, um, yeah, maybe they're concerned about putting the girl and her mother through this again, but chances are they're probably also assessing and saying, you know, if we had known this in the first place, we would have probably never brought charges. That is my sense as to what would have happened. And the frustrating thing about this all is that where does the priest go to get his reputation back? Because the truth of the matter is nobody's going to know that the charges were dropped. All everybody's going to remember is these accusations were made. And that is unfortunate. Once this particular bell is rung, you can't unring it. Back with more in just a couple of minutes. This is Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. Radio WTMJ, Milwaukee. At 1 o'clock, it is 41 degrees, increasing clouds, breezy, chilly, a high of 51 from the WTMJ Breaking News Center. I'm Eric Bilstad. What's going on with the fair? Well, for now, the Wisconsin State Fair will go on, at least for now. In a tweet, the State Fair says there are many factors to be considered. Several large industries, including ag, entertainment, concessions, and ride operations, as well as hundreds of small businesses and thousands of part-time employees, need to be considered as the fair considers what it is going to do right now expected to start on july 6th now they're analyzing all facets of the fair according to their tweet and they will continue to closely monitor data from local state and federal health officials to assess what needs to be done meanwhile northwestern mutual is canceling its annual meeting which takes place every summer in downtown milwaukee it's a big blow to many in the area. The Journal Sentinel says that typically around 12,000 people show up for that event, the Northwestern Mutual event, but it will not take place in its traditional setting this year. No shirt, no shoes, no mask, no service in some major retailers. Beginning today, TMJ4's Adriana Mendez has more on what Costco and other major retailers are doing to keep customers safe. The company says it implemented these policy changes based on public health guidelines. The CDC does recommend and people wear a mask while out in public in places where social distancing cannot be properly maintained. They say that mask should cover your nose and your face fully and should be uh, washed just after each use. Now, other retailers like Menards have also made it mandatory to have a face mask before entering into... Live from the Annex Wealth Management Studios at Historic Radio City, this is the Jeff Wagner Show. And now, WTMJ's Jeff Wagner... Good afternoon, Wisconsin. Welcome back to the show. Okay, can't we just call a timeout on, on the bad stuff? I mean, you look, look at everything that people are going through in 2020. You've got the pandemic. You've got people who are getting sick. You've got people who are dying. You have people who are losing their jobs. You have businesses that have been in business for decades that are going under. You have state and state revenues and local revenues that are kind of falling off a cliff. You have one issue after another. You have all the fun stuff that we used to do. That we look forward to the summers and all the different events, and they're just they're just canceling, being canceled one after another. And you know, sports, which is a refuge for a lot of us from the pressures of real world. Okay, the you know. Sports, 
Well, I understand that some of these leagues are trying to figure out ways to start in a few months, which I say go with God. I hope they're able to do it. I, I just don't see it. And the idea of people piling into stadiums or arenas anytime soon, I, I just don't see that happening. Hope I'm wrong, but I don't see it happening. So in the face of all of that, what comes next? If we didn't have enough to deal with, murder hornets. Murder hornets. I just I, I saw this in the New York Times yesterday, and I just sent out a tweet. I, matter of fact, I held off until after the the twelve o'clock hour because I'm aware that uh, some of you, eat, you you might you might be eating your lunch and stuff while you're listening to the program, and I didn't want to send out the murder hornet story while people were you know eating their lunch and stuff. But this is the it's just the damnedest thing, and it, it's like as if we did not have enough to deal with murder hornets. And if you follow me on Twitter and you want to see what a murder hornet looks like, I've got a picture of it. These. If you can follow me on Twitter, it's at Jeff Wagner six twenty. Here, here's the deal: these things have apparently been in Asia for a while. They are they are two inches long. They are two inches long with, well, I mean, big old wings and orange and yellow heads with teardropped eyes. I mean, they've got papery wings that span up to three inches. These things are are big and they are nasty. And what they do is they they eat bees. Now, they, they apparently can go through a giant hive of bees in the space of, of like an hour or two. What they do is they, and it, they, they, they attack the hive en masse, and they're so much bigger than the bees that they end up like chopping off the heads of all the bees. It's just, they, they just, they destroy bee colonies. And they're just really, really nasty type of things. In addition, if they attack you, they, in Japan, they, they say that there's like 40 to 50 people who die a year because of attacks from these like murder hornets because they've got really long stingers that apparently, you know, go through clothing and stuff. It's like, it's like the apocalypse. And now they have found them in Washington State, and they're trying to figure out how they got to Washington State. They think maybe in the hull of some ship or something like this. But you you read this story and you think, oh, my God, as if we haven't had enough to deal with, now we're going to have to deal with murder hornets. And in Washington State, which apparently is the only place they are now, this spring and summer, because that's when they, 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 like, they hibernate and they mate and they do all that stuff, and then they come out like in late summer and fall, and that's when they start attacking the bees. So apparently in Washington State they're going through this huge effort to try to, to find the hives and to eliminate them before they get a, a foothold. But I mean, if you thought Asian carp was bad, I mean, my goodness, we are talking about murder hornets. And if you want to look at one of these things, like I say, I've got the link to the story that I was watching in the New York Times, but I'm kind of thinking, man, you know, I, I don't like to wish away time. You, you reach a certain point in your life where you, you appreciate that life is short and you appreciate that every day, you know, every, every day is a gift. You know, what's, what's the old story at the line out of the Soprano show that every day is a gift, but does it always have to be socks? So, but I, I mean, I appreciate that every day is a gift, but my goodness, I mean, I think a lot of us are just going to be ready for 2020 to kind of put it in, into the rearview mirror because you've got all the other stuff that's going on. Who knows what the world's going to look like once we come through the coronavirus pandemic? Who knows what the next one is going to be? And on top of all that, we got to worry about murder hornets. Wow. Okay. One of the industries that has not been devastated thus far but may well be 
is the real estate industry. And it's interesting to me because I I get a lot of feedback whenever we talk about things related to this. Uh, About a a week or so ago, we we spent a lot of time uh, on the story. City of Milwaukee announcing they came out with their, their assessments of houses, and assessments went through the roof. You know, they in, in some cases, there are people who had their property with no improvements. They got assessed $100,000 higher. You know, on average, we were taking calls from people who said thirty, forty thousand dollars $40,000, their assessment had, had gone up. And the, the city defends this by saying, well, okay, this is, you know, we've been looking at comparables, and we were looking at sales. And, and this is what, if you put your market, really hot real estate market in 2019, this is what we think the houses are worth. Well, of course... We're in a really different world right now than we were six months ago. And the, the whole idea of, you know, has the world changed dramatically? Lots of people have lost their jobs. Lots of people, those jobs aren't coming back. Lots of people are trying to figure out, you know, how they're going to make their rent payments, or how they're going to make their, their mortgage payments, and things like that. And then on top of that, you get this notice saying, hey, your house is now worth thirty or forty or $50,000 more than we said it was worth last year. Even if those estimates and assessments are accurate based on, I don't know, what the real estate market might have been last fall, the question is, okay, is that still viable? You know, and, and what is the housing market going to look like? Are people going to continue to buy new homes? Are they going to continue to spend more money for new homes? Or are people going to be more inclined to stay put? Now, some people are always going to have to always going to have to sell houses. There's no question about it. You know, if you work in Milwaukee and you've just been transferred to Green Bay and you own a house in Milwaukee, well, you're going to have to sell that house You, you know, because you're, you, you're going to have to buy something new in Green Bay. So there's always going to be some market. But as far as people making those discretionary moves and having the money to pay increasing amounts, that's, I think, very up in the air. Over the weekend, I had an opportunity to ca- talk to a couple real estate agents and they, they were telling me inventory very low right now because lots of people not putting their homes on the market because of, of uncertainty. You know, what's going to happen? What, what does this look like out there? One of the real estate agents I was talking about says, now, this is nothing to worry about. You know, we're, once the summer hits, you know, people are going to continue. The real estate market's going to be hot. We're going to be selling more houses than we can handle. People are going to be, you know, moving up, moving on. It's not going to make any dent at all. Another agent I was talking about says, look, this, with all this economic uncertainty, People are much likely to stay put, and they're much less likely to want to, I don't know, spend more money to reach for houses. Okay, 855-616-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. I want to talk a little bit about the housing market because, obviously, that's that's an engine that drives the, the economy. And, again, I, I hear different things from different people. And, I mean, I got some of this feedback after I was talking about the assessments because they were telling me, Jeff, you know, there's no reason to limit the assessments. People try to go sell their house for, you know, in a month from now, they're going to have no trouble at all getting that increased value. The real estate market is going to be immune from all this, to which I say I find it hard, almost impossible, to, to believe that. I think money is going to be tight moving forward. I think it's going to be tougher to get, you know, mortgages 
um, especially mortgages that maybe people have to reach a little bit. I don't see how this cannot have an impact on people selling and buying homes. But let's tee this up. 855-616-1620, which is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Has what's going on now, if you were considering either selling or buying a new home, has this given you cause for perhaps pause moving forward? Or is it just full speed ahead and do you continue to think that, hey, this isn't going to affect the value of my home at all? 855-616-1620. That's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. If you're on the line, please hold on. We discuss in just a minute. This is Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. Back to Take Your Calls. Here's WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. 855-616-1620. That's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Matt in Merton. Hello, Matt. Hey, Jeff, how you doing? I'm good. What's up? Uh, what do you think about the housing market? Yes, yeah, so I actually have been kicking around selling our house for some years here. Kids are gone, and he um, actually, actually just sold our house uh, tomorrow. Closing. closing tomorrow, okay. Yep, and the reason we did that is I kind of saw this coming, and I just don't see how we can have the unemployment that we have facing us right now and not have that affect housing and I just didn't want to lose all the equity I had in my house um, to see it go up in flames here in the next year to 18 yeah, I, months. Well, you know, and look, and, and I'm not one of these doomsday kind of guys, but I, I just, I, I look at it and I see the same sort of thing that, that you're seeing. If, if we're looking at, you know, hundreds of thousands of, of Wisconsinites unemployed, um, and, and who knows how many of them are ultimately going to be able to get back to work, you know, in any reasonable time. Plus, a lot of people have lost income and things like that. How can that not affect purchasing? How can that not affect people buying cars? How can it not affect people buying houses? I, I mean, it just I, I understand that you've always got to have places to live, but it just seems to me that. I don't know, big-ticket purchases, especially, again, if you if you don't have to move, I, I think, you know, people are going to be a little bit reluctant. Um, I, at least that's how it seems to me. I, the other thing, too, is if you look at the unemployment numbers, we're almost three times what we saw in 2008. I, there's just no possible way this won't affect housing. I just can't see that. Yeah, well, th- thanks for the call, and, and good. I mean, I'm glad I, th- that's great, and and that's great that you you know you've got the closing that was set and all. I just you know plus you know it, it's probably going to vary in different areas as as well. I mean, I, I've been I've told the story before. You know, my wife and I have been looking for a, a second place for you know somewhere in the future down in Florida, and you know right before this whole thing happened, we made an offer, and the people thought it was too low and didn't even counter. I can't tell you how glad I am that that they didn't because. I just wouldn't want to be dealing with the idea of trying to figure out buying a house, you know, in another state or buying a condo in another state right now and dealing with all that stuff. I also don't know what the values are, are going to look like, um, especially like in that second home market. I got to particularly believe that the market, you know, is going to is going to dry up for at least the foreseeable future, or at least prices are going to have to go down, which makes me again wonder about the assessments in Milwaukee. Now, there's always, like I say, there's going to be people that are going to be buying houses because you're you're going to need though, you know, you, you get trans- transfer you you need that um but i I just wonder if it's going to be the same volume as it was before because we're coming off an incredibly hot real estate market lynn in janesville lynn you're on wtmj good afternoon hi i just wanted to say that we do have a second home in illinois and we do have an accepted offer but we can't get an appraisal done because 
some of the appraisers are a little reticent to uh, feel as though they're going to have a good conscience about what they do say um, because of the market right now and because of the COVID also. So they're kind of holding off. Yeah, right. I mean, yeah. I mean, that, that, that whole thing, everybody just wants to, I mean, everybody wants to just kind of let this thing simmer and see where we, we end up, I, I guess, you know, two months from now or six months from now or, or, or whatever. So your problem is finding an appraiser, huh? Yes. Yeah. Not for us, you know, but for the buyer. So we have agreed right. to just hold off thinking that well, we've got the offer. We're good. We do need to have somebody come out and kind of seal the deal, finish up all the other details. But I'm sure that's not the only area that that's happening in. And um, so maybe other people have had better luck with it. In Janesville, things seem to still be selling, though. We've got good schools around the area. And so that's a good thing. We're seeing things in our neighborhood just fly off the shelves still. Yeah. And in the house you were selling was a second home that you had in Illinois, so you still got your principal yeah. residence. Yeah, now that's yep, exactly. well, thanks for calling. In. Mm-hmm. I, I I appreciate that. And and again, I'm, believe me, I'm not rooting for the real estate market to fall apart because again, that that's a huge economic engine. And you know, everything that gets just white hot has to cool off at some point in time. I'm just thinking, all right, and and I say this sincerely, you know, even. And I have issues with some of the things the assessors did in Milwaukee when I hear the, these huge numbers. But even if you could say that that was accurate and that, that, all right, if you put your house on the market last November, you could have gotten, you know, whatever it was assessed at plus $100,000. I sincerely and significantly question whether we're in the same environment here in, in April. And I just, I just, I don't see it. But I mean, maybe again, maybe I, I'm wrong. I'm, I'm not in the market to go buy a house or a condo in this area. Brett in Mount Pleasant. Brett, you're on WTMJ. Good afternoon. Good afternoon. Yeah, we uh, just listed a house back last week, Friday, and within seven days had a full offer, full face offer That's on it. it. Outstanding. Did you have a lot of interest? Did you have a lot of buyers through it, or was it like the first person you uh, looked at it bought it? Twenty showings. Twenty showings, uh, two offers, in a matter of a week. Well, so that at least in your case, there were there was a lot of, and you got you got your full asking price out of it, huh? Yes, which was above a such value from the uh, previous years. Yeah, well, I, you are. I, I think um, my, my sense is you probably did it at exactly the right time, and you probably had a, had a property that was priced right, number one, and was desirable, number two. So congratulations. Now, thanks for the call. And I hope, I mean, I hope, Brett, that that is the story. You know, I hope it's the story moving forward. I, I will say that, um, well, like the headline I'm looking at in USA Today is, you know, coronavirus takes steam out of the home buying season, and the predictions are home sales will likely plunge this spring in the wake of the pandemic. Um, they're hoping hoping that they will bounce back next year. I mean, here's what the experts are saying. Sales will likely plummet by up to 60% as stay-at-home mandates and overall worries about the economy take the steam out of what was previously expected to be a robust spring buying season. Um, but... Uh, they, they hope by the end of next year it's back. Hopefully around here, if you're in the market for, you know, if you're trying to sell your house, hopefully that, you know, you're, you're not going to experience any sort of shutdown at all. Time will tell. Back with more in just a minute. This is Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. This is Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. So very glad to have you with us. Um, you know, interestingly, 
not exclusively, but but in large measure, the, the impact of the coronavirus and the pandemic so far has been on the private sector, where most of the layoffs have come. That's starting to change as more school districts are now recognizing, hey, we're not going to have class for the rest of the year, for the rest of the, this school year. And, and more and more governments are starting to have to you know, come, confront the fact that there's less money coming in. City of Milwaukee is dealing with that as well. They're saying that they lost an estimated $6.7 million in revenue between March and April. Now, most of that was... Okay, we, we don't have people parking in the city on parking structures. We're not enforcing parking regulations, so we're not generating revenue from that. We're seeing a dramatic fall off in permits and building inspections, et cetera, et cetera. So it's $6.7 million. But this looks like, and I give the mayor credit, he's saying, I think this is the tip of the iceberg, to which I, I do as well if things don't change. So the bottom line is, and this is something to consider, for everybody who thinks it's been exclusively a private sector problem, which it by and large has, um, it, it's starting to change. And the public sector is going to have to figure out how to deal with this as well, unless we get the cities around the state open for business sooner rather than later. This is Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. We're back. Okay, we started off the program. The The latest cancellation, big cancellation, was that, that Northwestern Mutual, who every summer is responsible for one of the, one of the largest convention annually in in the Milwaukee area they bring in the neighborhood of 12,000 agents and employees into Milwaukee from all over all over the country and actually all over the world they normally they do that in July they had pushed it back to August because of the Democratic National Convention uh, now they just announced today that it's not going to happen they're, they're they intend to do it again in July of 2021 uh, go back to normal but for this very very unusual year it, it is off and then melissa just had the story a polish fest which is of course one of the first festivals that you have one of the very first ethnic festivals that you have they had announced that they were going to delay it because typically it's in early to mid-june they had previously announced they were going to delay it now they're announcing that they're going to cancel it so th- this is just you know, another domino that falls. You've had German Fest that's canceled. You've had uh, Irish Fest that's canceled. You had Festa Italiana that has canceled. Summer Fest, hoping to do something, but it's not going to be in late June and early July. Summer Fest is kicking back to September, and it's going to be over three weekends. They're hoping to still be able to do that. You've had a variety of the different festivals around here. Pretty much all that. Pretty much all have canceled. EAA Air Venture announced last week that they were canceling their late July sort of event. You have, um, I know, at some of the smaller levels, Port Washington's Fish Days canceled, the Cedarbrook Strawberry Festival canceled. The, The list goes on and on and on. And concerts... Pretty much the, at least for the first half of the summer for sure, the, the entire concert season's been, been canceled. You know, the concerts, whether they were at different venues, the, the, the bands that were planning to tour, they're, they're not, they're not touring. And you don't know when that that is going to, to be. The last main event for Wisconsin and southeastern Wisconsin that, that still is on the calendar is, is State Fair. And let me just say this before we go down this route. I am a huge fan of State Fair. 
the you know, director of the fair, Kathleen O'Leary. I consider her to be a friend. You know, we, we do lots of stuff here at WTMJ with the fair. It is one of my favorite times of the year. Every year we do a cream puff giveaway the day before the fair, and chances are if you've come to that, I've had a chance to meet you and give you a three-pack or a six-pack of cream puffs or something like that. We broadcast live from our broadcast facility at the fair, and not only do I enjoy working at the fair and having the opportunity to meet you if you decide to come out and say hi, but I also I go to the fair. I mean, I'm, I'm one of the guys that after I get off the air, I, I go wander around. I know all the different places, and I like the new stuff, but I really like the old stuff. And typically, even working at the fair and even having to be out there, by say having to be out there, I mean, you know, being assigned to be out there, I, I'll, I'll still go out on my own time a couple nights and see some of the shows, etc. So I love, love, love the state fair. Uh, but the reality is I, I'm starting to wonder how, how they can pull it off. Now, here's the deal. It's right now the State Fair is scheduled to be August 6th through the 16th. Right now, the Expo Center at State Fair has been converted into an overflow emergency hospital facility to be used in case they they need more beds for for COVID-19 cases. Now, the good news is we, we haven't come close to, to needing, you know, more capacity. As a matter of fact, they were going to do that in Madison at the Alliant Energy Center. And I don't know if they actually built it or, or not, but they, they've now, they're now taking it down because they, they do not need that. And that's, that's a very, very good thing. But we still have that at, at the fair. Okay, um, everything else has been canceled. Here's, here's the statement that the fair puts out. And this is about two hours ago on their Twitter account. At this time, the state fair... Board of Directors, State Fair Park Board of Directors, has not made a formal decision on whether the State Fair will go on as planned August 6th through 16th. Until a decision is made, we will continue to work tirelessly to make the fair the Wonder Fair experience you know and love. During these unprecedented times, we want to provide an update on the status and say thank you, etc. And then I'm, I'm, I'm looking at some of the like the pictures they send out, and there, there's pictures of, like, all these kids that are on one of those rides at the Midway, you know, like swinging around and all. Our number is 855-616-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Now, I want to be understood here. Nothing would make me happier than to be able to, in the summer of 2020, starting on August 6th, to be able to have a normal Wisconsin State Fair. I guess looking at where we are now and what would have to happen to get there, I just don't understand how, how that can occur. I, I just, I, I mean, I, I don't because, I mean, I, I'm thinking about the, the State Fair and the State Fair experience. I mean, you, you've got the Midway, which has got all sorts of people jumping on different carnival rides, and you've got all sorts of people piled in there and people close together. I, I don't I, I don't understand how given the fact that we're talking about early May and the State Fair would be, you know, about 90-plus days from now, I don't see how you could have a midway. I'm thinking of those expo halls where, you know, you have the narrow aisleways and you've got all the vendors selling all the stuff that you never really needed, knew you needed, but then you got to have once you hear the pitches. And and remember how crowded you get. You're walking through that. You're shoulder to shoulder. I, I don't see that happening and you know the livestock barns and the the different sort of events you know sitting you know next to each other you know watching the different shows people crammed in lots and lots of people on the scenes typically you know they drill they draw over a million people to the state fair i just i don't see how it can happen 
I, I, I hope and I wish they'd have some sort of magic bullet, but you know, all these other events have, have gone by the wayside. Is there a way that you think that they can do the state fair in August? 855-616-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. And again, I, I if we don't if we don't have the state fair, it's gonna be a huge, huge downer. But given all the stuff that has to happen between now and then, and even if you can get the vendors Again, I'm just don't I don't see that you're going to have people, even if you love the fair, that are going to feel comfortable going there in large numbers. I think it's going to be a while before we feel comfortable collectively being in large crowds. And then the question becomes if you have to limit attendance to I, I don't know, a quarter of what we would normally have is is there a point to doing it? Eight five five six one six one six twenty. That is the accurate mortgage talk and text line. Do you think there's going to be a state fair as we have come to know it in 2020, or is this going to be another and perhaps the last big domino to fall in the loss of the summer season around here? I, I'm afraid that you know that that's really the only conclusion we can come to, and I hope I'm wrong. Hope somebody on the boards you know has, has some great idea as to how they can pull it off. But do I see a million people piling out to that that facility and people getting on the midway and people getting on those rides and people standing in line and people walking close by each other to go through the expo center? I just don't see it happening. Eight five five six one six one six twenty. That's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Can the State Fair go on as scheduled? We discuss in just a moment. If you're on the line, please hold on. This is Jeff Wagner. Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. 855-616-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Any way that State Fair can occur in August? My, my answer is, unfortunately, no. And I, I'm very... I'm very sorry to see that, but uh, I also, I mean, I wonder from the economic perspective, I mean, just uh, there, there's all the different vendors and stuff and who, you know, State Fair is one of their, their big money-making things. And I, I think this is probably going to be true of county fairs around the area and, and other state fairs as well. I just don't see how it can happen. Jeff, uh, this is from one of our listeners who lives in West Dallas, right across the street from the fair. He says, Jeff, you failed to mention everything that gets touched. There's just no way it happens in 2020. Well, yeah, that's, that, you know, that's one of the factors that's out there as well. When you think about the way we do stuff ordinarily and, you know, you, you go and you, I don't know, you're at State Fair and you're picking up stuff and you're, you're looking at it and you're touching all these different things, how, how are people going to feel comfortable doing that in the near future? And my answer would be they're not. And we talked about this briefly last week that I'm, I'm a huge sports fan. I'm an enormous sports fan, but I, I don't. I just don't see people flocking back, even if you allowed people to sit in stadiums for the foreseeable future. I, I don't see them doing that. And even once we do that, it, it's going to be a completely different dynamic. I mean, I, I think about Miller Park, and I was telling this story before. My, my routine with my, my dear friend Evan is, you know, we, we, we go to the games, and we walk in, and we go up, and we get a beer at the craft beer stand, and then we walk down. And we get a couple brats, and then we go over to one of those like condiment stands that they have there, where you you've got the the little things where you push down the button and you get the secret sauce, and then they've got the the onions that are open, and you get the little spoon and you put those onions on, and then or you go get the mustard, and you've got that big condiment thing, and you push the button and the mustard comes out. Hopefully, well, <laughs> those days are gone. I, I mean, you, you are my prediction is you are never never going to see those things in public places again. I mean, the the idea of 
you know, self-serve type of stuff. I, I don't know how they're going to do it. My guess is I'm not even sure you're going to see the things where if you've got, like, packets of ketchup and whatever, um, where you can just, like, reach in and touch a couple and put a couple back or whatever. The individual napkin dispensers, I, I don't know. I mean, I'm just saying that that's... That's probably not going to happen moving forward. Can you imagine, you know, you're sitting in the baseball stadium and, and like I sit on the aisle. Well, we've got two aisle seats, and it's not uncommon for somebody 10 rows over to go, hey, you know, hot dog guy or, or whatever. And the hot dog guy passes down the hot dogs, and the other person then passes the money back. I mean, that that's one of the things that we've – that's just the way it's worked. Can you imagine that going on in a stadium nowadays? I, I just – uh, you know, maybe someday, but I don't. I don't know when. The idea that you know everybody's going to be touching. You're going to have ten people that are touching your money or that are touching you know the exterior food, no matter how it's wrapped. I just don't see that type of stuff happening. And that's the dynamic that's out there. Um, let's see, Jeff. I think travel and entertainment, which of course uh, includes sports, are a big segment of our economy. I think they're virtually out of business for an unknown length of time. Well. Certainly, I, I think the festivals and, and the concerts, and, and again, I just this isn't something that I'm I, I'm hoping to have happen because believe me, I, I I I want I want to go back to these things, but I'm trying to imagine that if if somehow Alpine Valley were to say, okay, we've decided, you know, we're we're going to go ahead with our, our summer concert schedule. You know, can you see 20,000 people, 25,000 people, you know, cramming into Alpine Valley and everybody, you know, using standing in line at the same souvenir stands and sitting next to each other in those seats? You know, I just, I, I just don't see it happening in, in any way, shape, or form. I think maybe, you know, maybe for some of the smaller venues, maybe, you know, you're, you're able to stage concerts if you're in a position where you're going to say, okay, we're going to have a third of our capacity. But I, I tell you, th- these big events, I, I just don't ha- see happening. Um, here's a text, Jeff. I, I don't see it happening either. Even if it did, it would be the lowest attendance ever. Midway is a good example. No way is somebody going to get on a ride after someone else. They would want the entire ride and all the seats wiped down and sanitized. Same with the big high glider that runs the length of the park. They would have to be sanitizing every seat before the next person jumps on. Um, you know, never never going to happen. I, I think that, you know, that's, that is a big concern as well. Um, let's see, Jeff, I think that they, you know, I think that they should have the damn fair. Well, I, I think that they, I would love to see them have the fair, but my point is you could have the fair and nobody's going to show up. That That's just the reality until we get a handle on this. I mean, it's one thing to say, have the fair. I'd like to say, have have the baseball season. I mean, I've got my tickets here. Let, let's start playing tomorrow. But the reality is, in today's world, you know, you're, you're not going to be able to do that. You're, and, and even if, if Major League Baseball opened up tomorrow and Major League Baseball said, we're going to bring everybody back and we're going to have the ticket counters and here, pile in, you're going to have just a ton of people who are going to make the decision that they're not going to go. That's, I think, the, the reality that we live in. So would I like to see them have the fair? I'd love to see them have the fair. Don't think it's going to happen this year. And that's too darn bad. Back with more in just a minute. This is Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. 
This is Jeff Wagner. Very glad to have you with us. Southeastern Wisconsin, open for business during these unprecedented times. It's more important than ever to support local businesses. Head to our website, WTMJ.com, right now, and you'll find a We're Open link on the homepage. You'll see a list of businesses in your community where your family, your friends, and neighbors are open for business. And if you're a business owner, you can head to WTMJ.com to add your business as well. Open for business from WTMJ. When we come back after the news, there's a couple things I want to talk about. The latest developments in the, the Joe Biden sex scandal. And is this continuing shutdown feasible in light of what happened over the weekend? We will discuss all that. Before that, though, it, look, I don't care if you're somebody that just can't stand President Trump or if you're somebody who thinks that President Trump is the greatest thing since canned beer. You know, I, I understand there, there's politics. At the same time, every once in a while, the president does things that just, I think, just drive me crazy because it's so gratuitous and so unnecessary. Over the weekend, former President George W. Bush, who, and I understand that there's some people who didn't like, you know, President Bush because of, you know, his his decisions, you know, following 9-11. But I, I've always believed and will continue to always believe that President Bush was a class act. You could disagree with him. I understand there are people on the left who mocked him. I thought that was incredibly unfair. But, but all right, be that as it may, I think he's an incredible class act. And over the weekend, he released a, a video. He's been very, very quiet. He released a vid- video that did not have political overtones. It's not like he took shots at anybody. The video, which did not mention current President Trump, just praised health care workers and other Americans who are meeting this historic shared threat. And, and what he said was, in the final analysis, we are not partisan combatants. We are human beings, equally vulnerable and equally wonderful in the sight of God. We rise or fall together, and we are determined to rise. So it's, it's, a, it's a message of, of unity, um, you know, it's a message of unity. I, I think it's a positive sort of thing. And, you know, President Trump, rather than just either ignoring it or embracing it, decides to send out a tweet, you know, saying that, you know, it's, he's fine with what President Bush said, but, quote, he was nowhere to be found in speaking up against the greatest hoax in American history, referring to the fact that President Bush said nothing about the, the impeachment thing. To which I'm like, oh, my goodness gracious, you know, do, do we have to make it all about our, ourselves? And that's, again, I think in many respects, President Trump is his own worst enemy by deciding that he has to respond to everything and he has to make everything about himself. Because you look at this and you go, really? Really? What do you gain by that? All right, when we come back, is the continuing shutdown feasible? We'll continue the conversation in just a moment. Uh, stick around. That all comes up right after the news. Live from the Annex Wealth Management Studios at Historic Radio City, this is the Jeff Wagner Show. And now, WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. Good afternoon, Wisconsin. Welcome back to the show. We talked about this briefly at the start of the show. I want to go into a little more detail. Um, some of, part of the breaking news story today is that this afternoon, at some point in time, Governor Evers is going to be sitting down with legislative leaders, Republicans and Democrats, but the Republicans control the state legislature, so they're, you know, that's who you have to work out a deal with, and talking about you know, the, the future moving forward. Here's what I think is precipitating this. Tomorrow, the state Supreme Court is going to hear arguments about the governor's ability to extend his stay-at-home order. 
Long story short, the law gives the governor the ability to declare an emergency and gives him broad powers, like ordering essentially the state closed down. That power is by the statute. It gives him 30 days. He then has the ability to extend it for another 30 days, which is 60 days total. That 60 days expires next week, May 12th, I believe, is the uh, the actual date. All right? The governor has extended his stay-at-home order through the end of the month. Now, you might say, how, how can he do this if the law only gives him the right to do it 60 days? And that's a very good question. The governor takes the position that regardless of the law, that he has the ability through his designated health secretary to declare a health emergency that gives him all the emergency powers that he has under the statute and that he can keep that health emergency in place for as long as he chooses or as long as the health secretary chooses. So, in other words, the statutory authority is, you know, you get 60 days, but never mind that, we can do whatever we want. Now, that's the governor's position. Most people, and I understand there's some disagreement, but most people think the governor is wrong. And most people think the Supreme Court is going to disagree with the governor, saying that you don't have just this unprecedented ability to declare an emergency and keep the state locked down for an indeterminate period of time. I I think that's what most people think. Who knows? You can go broke trying to guess what a court's going to do. But given the fact that they took it, given the fact that the court's going to be making the decision, I fully expect that if there and when there's a ruling in the case, the Supreme Court is going to say, Governor Evers, you, you only have the 60 days. After that 60 days, it becomes a matter of, of rulemaking, and the legislature has, has a say. So what I think is going on is that the governor's lawyers, if they're good lawyers, are going to him and they're saying, okay, look, here's the deal. We've got this argument tomorrow. Maybe we're going to win, but there's probably a good chance we're going to lose. So we need to figure out what plan B is when, when we lose. And plan B means you know, bringing the legislature in and deciding you know, where you're going to go for there. That's kind of my assessment of, of all this. Now, it could be just for politics. The governor has decided, hey, let's get everybody together so then I can get people off my back by saying I, I didn't have a meeting. But I, I, I think the bottom line is, given what I believe is a likelihood, now again, I could be wrong, but given a likelihood that the governor is going to lose in front of the Supreme Court, this is, okay, where, where do we go from here, assuming that the Supreme Court says, hey, after May 12th all, or May 13th or whatever the date is, all, all bets are off. So I think that's what the dynamic is that, that you have happening. And now the burden becomes on the Republicans to you know, offer an alternative. I'm hoping they come forward with like the plan that the Wisconsin Manufacturers and Commerce offer which says let's let's start talking about reopening the state regionally because as we've discussed before the the spread of coronavirus and i understand you you don't get this if you just watch the tv headlines and some of the news channels where they say okay these are the number of new cases in wisconsin the problem in the expansion of cases is largely a regional one um, and if you follow me on Twitter, it's at Jeff Wagner 620. I, I make this point. Like, for example, the entire last week, Saturday to Saturday, you had 1,970-some new cases of, of COVID-19. 59% were in Milwaukee and Brown County. And then if you add in Racine and Kenosha County, 77% of the new cases were in those four counties. 
you take out those four counties and, and you, you, you don't have a curve that needs to be flattened, you have essentially kind of a speed bump. Now, I appreciate nobody wants to get sick and you don't want to spread this, but the bottom line is Wisconsin is a big state, 5.8 million people, and coronavirus right now is 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 primarily contained in a couple counties, and it's because, I, I think, of, of coronavirus spreading in some of the jails and coronavirus at the meat plants. And, and that's you take that out, and you get a much different look at things. All right. In several states, what you are starting to see is you are starting to see a rebellion against restrictions. And I'm not talking about the, the people that show up with guns and protest in Michigan. I, I'm talking about other states. I'm looking, I spent some time with the LA Times this morning. And you have, again, in, in California, you have the same sort of setup that you do in Wisconsin. And that is that there are some areas where you're seeing, again, coronavirus not under control. But you are seeing large parts of a very large state that have little or no coronavirus in those various parts. And so, for example, the story I'm looking at is that two big California counties um, have decided, they're in northern California, have decided that they're, they're not going to follow the governor's statewide stay-at-home order. Uh, Yuba and Sutter counties, um, they're counties near the state capital. Um, they're going to join other counties and essentially opening up. Um, they've said they've had total, you know, 50 coronavirus cases, three deaths during this entire time, and they say that they're they're going to start opening up and they're going to allow businesses and schools and churches to reopen as long as people inside can stand six feet apart. So they're saying, look, we, you know, we're we can't do this anymore, and we don't think it's right that we have to be restricted. So they're they're rebelling, and so now you've got the the governor who's got to decide, you know, what. What is he going to do? How badly do you want to fight this? You've got other California counties along these, these beaches, you know, who are, are just, again, it's the same sort of thing. People just aren't following these orders anymore. And a number of these communities, you've got people who are saying, look, we're, you know, we're, we're going back to the beaches. And we don't care what the rules say. We're going to start to follow these and we're going to try to social distance. But we're, we're rebelling against this. All right, our number, 855-616-1620. That's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Here's where I'm going with this. I was uh, driving around yesterday, and we, we had some errands to run, and I, I was looking at all the various people that were, were out and about in different areas. Now, I wasn't in Brown County, and I, I wasn't in Milwaukee or Racine or Kenosha County, but I was you know, around our, our general area. I saw tons of people that were outside, I saw people in fast food restaurants that were sitting at the picnic tables out. I, I just, my sense is that the longer we impose the, these restrictions, the more you're going to have people that just simply decide not to follow them. And so, I, I, you know, we're not at a stage right now where you've had counties that have just openly said, Okay, we're we're done. We're we're rebelling against the governor. We're not following these orders. We're we're opening up. But that's starting to happen in various areas across the country, um, where you're saying, "Hey, look, we we don't have we don't have COVID nineteen in any sort of large numbers in our community, and we've had our our businesses that have been shuttered. We have all these people that are unemployed. We we can't take that anymore. So my question is, if for example the governor decides that he wants to continue to keep these restrictions in place 
for the, the next several weeks, and the Supreme Court says he's got the authority to do that, will, will people follow that? Or will we see kind of a rebellion sort of along the lines that you're seeing in some of these California counties? 855-616-1620, that's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Is, is a continuing shutdown feasible? Or are we at the point now where people get the social distancing, people understand, like the businesses that are saying, wear the masks if you want to come in, which, you know, the business has every right to do it. But are, are we getting to a point in Wisconsin, particularly in areas that have not been affected dramatically by this, where people are going to start saying, hey, we're going to start reopening, period. 855-616-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. We discuss in just a moment. If you're on the line, please hold on. This is Jeff Wagner. Welcome back to Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. 855-616-1620. That's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. What you're starting to see in some part of the country, and I'm not talking about the the protesters storming the Michigan Capitol. I'm talking about in a number of counties. The the example I was giving is California, where you've had governors who have refused to open up the state after six weeks. You've had counties that are just simply saying, we're not following this anymore. We're we're open for business. Is is that the the future? Here's a text, Jeff. Can you, how long can you get people to uh, agree to, to, to the, the continuing shutdown. Is is it feasible, and how much longer? Jeff, we had about eight people over Friday for a cookout. We stopped following all of this. We had a great time. All eight of us agreed to have it. We'd do it again tomorrow. We cannot be kept in jail forever. Um, Jeff, uh, I'm from Oconto. I don't think it's a problem to open up in areas that are less populated with less COVID-19, but the problem is when people come from a hot spot into those areas, they are bringing the virus with them. Right, right. I, I understand. That's the, that, that's the, that is the argument that, you know, you've got people who work at a meatpacking plant in Kenosha who are going to drive up to a bowling alley in Chippewa Falls and bring the disease with them. I, You know, how how realistic is that? I guess, you know, people will have to decide. Um, uh, Jeff, uh, let's see. Um, the week's weather was the inspiration to um, the folks who wanted to get away. Mother's Day, that's right, Mother's Day is coming up. You want to talk about um, just how devastating that's going to be to the hospitality industry? 855-616-1620. Again, I'm not arguing the merits of this one way or the other, but what you're seeing is more and more people are, are simply, and more and more communities are simply saying, oh, okay, you know, we, we want to practice social distancing. We want to follow to the extent we possibly can if the places want to have masks and all, but we cannot keep main streets in communities where there's little or no spread of the virus. We can't keep them closed down on the promise that, gee, somebody from Detroit that has a problem might end up in, you know, Chippewa Falls. Let's talk to Bob in Oak Creek. Bob, you're on WTMJ. Good afternoon. Good afternoon, Jeff. Thanks for taking my call. What do you think? Uh, I I'm uh, I'm a avid uh, fan of the car show in Iola, Wisconsin, and they have right. no plans of canceling so far, and that's in July, July 9th through the 11th, and they mm-hmm. still don't have any plans of canceling it. I'm I'm just uh, skeptical about that. That's a big swap meet and car show over right. there. Right. And it's in the Did middle of the ha- state. I don't. I don't know how many uh, COVID-19 cases they had in that area, but. Not not a significant number. I can, I'll tell you in just a minute. I can pull. I, I have the numbers. Let me ask you this: Would you have? Would you be hesitant to go? I assume you go. You attend that car show on a regular basis. 
Yeah, for the last 15 years. Okay, if they have it this year, are you going to go? No. No, because of the concerns you have. Okay, no, thanks for the call. I appreciate it. And that's, I mean, see, and that, that's what's going to happen. You're going to have individuals that, that make choices as to, you know, what they decide to do. The question is, um, you know, how far, how far are you going to, you know, end up, you know, how far are you going to end up going? Jeff, we went to Fleet Farm yesterday. The parking lot was filled. You would have never known there was even a safer at home order. Well, that, that is, if look, if I ran a small luggage store, for example, you know, one one of these shops that is non-essential business, you know, closed down. If I ran a small luggage store and my business had been ordered closed, f- or for the last six weeks, and, and yeah, I, I can't allow in any given day. Maybe I've got maybe if I'm lucky, I've got a dozen customers that come in actually come in physically to the store, and I haven't been able to allow customers to come in. If I was that guy, and then I drove past that fleet farm, and and on Saturday we drove past the fleet farm. No, it was Sunday. Yeah, we drove past the fleet farm, and and I almost took a picture of it because it does. It it was the place was absolutely packed. If I was the guy or the gal that ran that little store that had been closed down or had all these limitations, I would be screaming bloody murder, going, "Well, wait, wait, wait a second. You know that the chances of somebody, if we're concerned about the spread of this disease, and we don't believe that the 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 masks are going to work, and we don't believe that the social distancing is enough, the the idea that you know you can have five hundred people." piling into the parking lot at Fleet Farm, but on the other hand, I, I can't you know, have a dozen people over the course of seven hours in my store. It doesn't make any sense. It's one of the reasons why. When we come through this, and we will come through it, I hope there is a reassessment and, and a look at what did we do and, and, and what did we do that worked and what did we do that made sense. Okay, the, the, the social distancing, clearly it makes sense. No, no question about it. But rather than simply saying, okay, we're going to pick winners and losers, and we're going to close certain businesses, but Walmart can stay open, and Target can stay open, and the grocery stores can stay open, and you know this store can stay open, and that store can stay open, but others can't. Shouldn't the inquiry have really been, gee, what, what we need to do is figure out how we can keep stores open by imposing requirements? And maybe it's wearing masks, and maybe it's social distancing, and maybe it's limiting capacity. But this idea that, okay, you can go buy stuff, you can go buy the greeting cards if you want at the CVS store because that's open because they sell you know drugs there as well. And you can go buy the greeting cards at Walmart, but you can't buy greeting cards at, at Alice's Hallmark store. That, to me, makes no sense. The question should be, is allowing businesses to stay open, does it further the spread of the disease? You can put in requirements against social distancing, limiting capacity, but as opposed to just saying we're going to pick winners and losers, because, again, you drive past some of these big stores, and I'm not arguing they should be closed, but it is tough to say, okay, we've got the Partyland store here that might have maybe a dozen people all day. That's closed, but, you know, Costco, well, you've got a 1,000 people that are there. I, I think that's one of the things that I think people are going to have trouble grappling with as we move forward. Jeff Wagner, WTMJ.